When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dad bod, rap pod, we are back. We are still in jail. Some of us more literally than figuratively. Um, but we're here, man. And this is episode 100 some odd. We have migrated to the world of Zoom. So many of you understand the, uh, the kind of audio quality and timber of Zoom. Uh, so, you know, rock with this. Give, give us some forgiveness in this period, but it's good to see the bros. My name is Demo Carter, aka Dim One. I am joined by uh, Wolfman Nate LeBlanc. Uh, hey, hey, hey! I trimmed my beard. <laughs> this, this is trimmed. Holy shit! Yeah, okay. you should see the back of my neck. That's where it's very wolfen. Yeah, <laughs> I miss my barber so much. Man, so much, so so much. Uh, a guy who apparently doesn't miss his barber is uh, <laughs> Mr. David Ma. How's it going, man? It's going well, man. It's going well, guys. I wish I could reach through the screen and touch your beards. <laughs> so, but uh, you almost can. You almost yeah, can. <laughs> it's going to be long enough pretty soon. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm Asian, so this is this is my full beard. <laughs> yeah, so. I love it. You're, you're full. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, so we're 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 back. Uh, the gang's back together on Zoom. We are just coming off of Easter weekend. And I think that this was probably the weirdest Easter since the first one. <laughs> nice. I would have said on record, but the first one was kind of wild, if you think about it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, you know, one day seems to melt into the other, so... Uh, didn't do too much. You guys do anything of noteworthy, extravagant? Not really. 
No, uh, I had a family chat thread, and my funny cousin Jeff like kicked it off, and he's like, "Okay, I'll be there at noon. I'm bringing beer. What are you guys bringing?" And then for like three or four rounds of comments, people could stick with the construction of the joke, you know. But then it just evolved into, "I miss you guys." And I wish we could be doing this for real. And I'm like, okay, that's depressing. I'm here for jokes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't really do Easter. I'm not a religious person. And I don't need people to put my candy inside of weird plastic eggs. If I want candy, I just eat it. So I haven't really done Easter for a while. But I would have went yesterday, given the circumstances of how weird the world has been, if we could have had our family thing. But uh, yeah, it was a nice day. We took a walk. I brought my house plants outside to get sun. Okay. That's like, that was okay. about the level of the kind of day it was for me. Gangsta. <laughs> <laughs> we found out we have 17 houseplants. Nice. Yes. Really exciting. All right. Uh, yeah. No, didn't do shit. Overslept and then rose and then didn't do shit. Uh, <laughs> but, but I did um, start a little... Little engagement on on the bird over on Tweet Street. Um, I woke up noonish thinking about uh, the resurrection, and by the resurrection, I mean Common's album resurrection. <laughs> and you know, I be having thoughts. I was like, resurrection is this hip hop's greatest comeback album? And so before I really thought it out too much, I put it on Twitter because that's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to think about it too much. question on Twitter. And, um, and there was definitely some great responses. Want to touch on some of those in this segment. But uh, I do want to just set this up a little bit because I really didn't get into it um, on Twitter. I just wanted to kind of let folks uh, have at it. But Common's album, Resurrection, comes after uh, his debut can i borrow a dollar and in the thread which is like 30 plus people um can i borrow a dollar is remembered very very fondly and i distinctly <coughs> at the time there was this thing of debate about is common kind of a wacky dude is he biting dos effects who where is chicago like all of these things. Um, and so the reason why I felt like I could make this heretical post was because when Common dropped Resurrection, there was a tangible sense that he was coming back from something. He was mm. so, um I think he thought mm -hmm. it was his resurrection. That's why he titled it like that. Like he wasn't like thinking about the semantics of how many albums it takes before you're allowed to put out a comeback album. It was right. his comeback. He uh, framed it that way. Yes. Yeah. He and framed I, it that way. Right. I hate Can I Borrow a Dollar. I find it to be basically unlistenable. And I love totally. Resurrection, which I think has gotten an unfair reputation as being boring um, now. But like back then, that was about as high level of rhyming as you could get. It's a one producer album. Yeah, right. no idea. Um, it has great scratches by Mr. Sinista. Like mm -hmm. it's a very, very, very good record. I don't know mm -hmm. if it's like an all-time classic but it's a really really good record and I, a record i've listened to a lot um so i i heard what you were saying but um yeah it's a, it was interesting how it got everything going but the fact that he thought it was means that it is i guess is my yeah well i think the semantic part is that 
like the comeback would be the third album, right? Because like the first of the de- is the debut, the second like you suck, and then you come back full force for the third. So I think uh, I, that's sort of where the semantic um, issues were. But um, I mean, if that's the case, then anybody with the first whack album is coming back on their second. <laughs> kind of, you know, um, like Mob Deep. Mob right, Deep. Yeah. Mob Deep. right, right. It's, another, uh, it's a different group. You know what I mean? It's like they're they're little kids essentially on the first totally. one, and the second one is like an all time classic. So right, it's interesting point of comparison. Um, and I I do want to uh, I want to flag a, a bunch of folks on the timeline did bring up um, Bob Deep second album, um, which I'll, I'll say yes is definitely a reinvention. Um, uh, to your point, Dave, the the honorable and wise O-Dub, uh, Oliver Wang on our timeline posted uh, this. Maybe this is pedantic to me. Your sophomore album can't be a comeback based on the basic understanding of the term itself. The earliest an artist could have a comeback album would be number three, following on a promising first pointing second. Um, so pretty much when O-Dub kind of tells you your whole premise is wrong, it is. <laughs> um, being that this is the internet, we will continue this, this segment a little bit further. Um, a lot of people pointed out uh, that Common's album they consider Common, Common's album B to be his real comeback record, which is super interesting to me. Mm-hmm. With Electric Circus coming before him, his uh, I've Been With Erica Badu uh, weird record, which I, I enjoy parts of, for sure. Um, so there were a bunch of folks, including Eric Tulis, uh, concerning all of the hate that Electric Circus received, the comeback album is most certainly the one that followed it, which is B, which I, I, I kind of like B. It's, it's all right. It's kind oh, of a weird thing that Common needs so many comeback records in his career. Right. Like, how many do you get if we're being right. semantic? Like, it's just, yeah. I don't, I don't know that he was ever irrelevant. And that's kind of the thing. It's like at the beginning, he's like the main guy from Chicago that's not Twista. Mm-hmm. And he's like carving his own lane. Then he just got kind of weird. And then he mm-hmm. came back from that with like with Kanye, which at a time where he, getting a Kanye pack was like probably the best thing that could happen to your career, Absolutely. right? Um, and then I don't know, I don't, I don't, I, I see a better case for resurrection than for B because like he's even if he that wasn't himself. like artistically successful, it was a big record. Like it did, yeah. it did. I don't know, normal size, mid major label numbers. I imagine, right. I had a copy at one point. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird record for sure, though. I, I want to. Uh, I want to flag someone who totally agreed with me because that's, <laughs> very, that's how you cherry pick. Um, so, Double uh, O DJ DJ Double O replied, "Yes, to this day, there has not been an album that has engulfed in such mastery of wordplay and no ID beats." complimented the vibe perfectly the album pushed the envelope in lyrics and creativity especially when resurrection fades out and fades back in shout out to a double o um 2001 was brought up a lot as a as a great comeback Mm, record and honestly if i would have sat down more than five seconds and thought about it um that is probably the biggest comeback record yeah, because the after what was it? Um, the aftermath thingy. The aftermath thingy just didn't didn't do the what he wanted it to. Yeah. Kind of yeah. So Dre was really on the. They thought Dre was done, and Dre was far from done. 
They forgot about Dre even. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know what was interesting? Our our guy uh, John underscore Liberator brought up a great point. Um, oh, and I'm hoping I can find his tweet. Um, he called out that some could say that uh, Supreme clientele. Was oh, I read that. I remember reading that. Yes. Yeah. yeah because, I was like, because oh, Ghost went to jail. Yeah. <laughs> not not because Iron Man was a disappointment, which we know it's a universally beloved classic. Right. There right. Is no, it's impossible to find fault with. <laughs> <laughs> we all love it. Yeah, but because Ghost ten. went away, he was on Rikers, and then he came back with Supreme and like took took over the universe. So that's an interesting call. Yeah. That's an interesting call, but I don't know if, like, personal, like, matters matter. You know right. what I mean? Like, he, he went to Rikers and got some ice cream somewhere, too. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think the interim matters unless it, it is really a part of the career. Right. The by, by that notion, wouldn't the first Death Row Tupac record be a comeback album? Is in, that me against in, the in world? In a way. Yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah. right? And that's that's like you know sold ten million on a double CD and has like five mm -hmm. classic songs on it. It's a lot of filler, but that, that right. would have to be considered among. But we've kind of parsed out what the internet thought. What do we think are the best comeback records? Because I have one. I don't think you guys are thinking of. What's, well, what's your thought? And it's my pet, my pet favorite to bring up in any situation. Psychoanalysis, Prince Paul. Ah, well played. He tried to kill his career and he ended up resurrecting it. That's a comeback record. Yeah, yeah, that's a good okay. one. That's a good one. Uh, somebody mentioned Naughty by Nature. I don't I, remember the first record. Oh, dude, I they went by a different name. But see, my, my semantic argument with that one is it's almost a reinvention. It's more it's of a reinvention than, than a comeback. Right, right. I mean, like Bone Thugs and Harmony had like a first album before East Eternal. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, but do no they? One, I no didn't even know that. that. Yeah. They're, you know, so, I mean, it's a little bit different when it's a completely different reinvention. And and sort of by that standard, I mean, you know, um, Common was riggedy rapping, so I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting framing. I don't know if this falls into the, the rebrand or comeback, and a couple folks pointed this out. Um, the Fugees, the score, ah. um, their first record is just not good. Mm -hmm. Not good. Um, I think Nate, it has the same kind of problems that Can I Borrow a Dollar has. Yeah. Which has moments and was saved by the remixes. I want to point that out. Right. Can I Borrow a Dollar is more fondly remembered because you're remembering the soul by the remix. Um, mm, really saved that record. Um, and there was a couple of other Beat Nuts remixes that, that made that record come together. Similarly, the Fuji's first record was not good at all in the yeah. story and vocab and nappy heads have cool remixes so you remember right. it a little bit better but clearly they had not found their sound no right and on the score they completely found it right yeah uh, where they started committing fraud of all sorts so um <laughs> yeah I, I think that for me would probably be i'm still standing by resurrection but if i'm going to go with uh with my other pick it would be the score that's interesting that's sure. a good one I think um, Gangstar needs to be brought up as well. I mean, who talks about their first album? Yeah, they had they had bad first album syndrome for sure. They had not nope. figured it out yet. No more right. Mr. Nice Guy? Is that what it's called? Yeah, nope, I mean, nope, they're we're being super mean to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, guys. 
I think at a certain point in the 80s, you just got to give them a mulligan, man. They're just, you're just figuring this shit out. Like, <laughs> Primo had just got here from like fucking Prairie View, Texas, man. That was a- <laughs> <laughs> he hadn't even had time to hit the record store yet. For real. That's funny. For real. Um, so- oh, well, well, while we're on the Primo, do you guys want to talk about the live stream event of the season? Everybody was there. Everybody was there. It was a real moment. I liked it. I, I, I viewed it as sort of um, an interactive experience. At first, yeah. I mean, by, by design, they're sort of boring, you know? But, you know, for it, just like, it, it, it was interesting to see what they thought of their own catalog. Mm. So it's like, oh, is Primo going to save Mass Appeal? Oh, shit. You know, like, so it was really nice to, it was really nice to see that. And, and like, it being... It was just very much in the moment. Like, I don't think anybody's ever going to rewatch it. But, like, right. being there and seeing, oh, there's Rakim. Rakim's in the house. You know? Like, amazing. It was so cool seeing people score it like a boxing match. Like, watching right. it on Twitter was more fun than watching the watching the the battle. And we're talking about the RZA versus DJ Premier uh, IG Live battle from Saturday night, which just passed. We're recording this on Monday. So, two days after, we've all had time to kind of sit with it. I did not score it like a boxing match. That's like not how I think about music. And this one was more entertaining than a lot of the other so-called beat battle things that are happening where dudes play files at each other and then end up like mostly like praising each other the entire yeah. time. Like such a mutual respect. And like, really, it was like kind of like the old head moment. You know what I mean? Right. Like it was just right. like, we all love all of those songs. It was the funniest thing to me is how highly Riza thinks of Gravel Pit and how immediately right. the comments just turned on him. Totally, totally. <laughs> well, you know, uh, sort of to, to that point, I, I can't believe Primo wasted one of his choices on Das FX. It was like pick number three. Yeah, Real Hip Hop Remix. Yes. Right? Yeah, well, totally. Everyone's like, what are you doing, dude? And then super late in the game, busted the Christina Aguilera. Right. <laughs> that was after the official part. That was like the, the after part, but it... People were grading everything that was played. I was like, I don't know, man. You probably got one better than that. Right. Totally. <laughs> totally. Just pick anything for a moment of truth. You yeah. Know? Totally. Anyways. So that's, it's interesting because um, I actually, I did, I did not watch it. I, I'm not better than Instagram live battles, but the format is just, it's tough for me. Like I, I hear you. It does. Yeah. It, it just does not hold my attention, but I love the idea and actually the way that it's done they don't actually have to battle. We can just compare their cannons and say, right. <laughs> and say like, right. you know what I mean? Like, uh, right. who's got, you know, more, uh, more bigger records, really. I think at the end of the day, this is the, the competition of who has the most biggest records. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, another part of the appeal was like them talking in between the records and, you know, sort of dialoguing about what goes into what and, the insights behind each thing and i found i found that super interesting as well yeah uh, it was interesting to watch their setups too is like uh rizza is like the master of self-branding has his tv show playing on tv in the background <laughs> right. the whole time the afro samurai joint uh rizza right. was parenting during it like he was totally. asking his kids to go do stuff that was really funny cream was in a studio kind of by himself and just kind of like doing wu-tang symbols at the camera the whole time but like nice. yeah I, I think it's just a funny format and i guess it's basically these are like jamaican sound clashes like adapted but it's not about who has the best system and in some cases it's like we can barely hear what's happening there's been no like settled 
audio format. So it was just interesting. But I, I liked hearing the stories. I liked hearing the context. Um, did mm-hmm. Riza end up playing any unreleased ODB after teasing us all the day I before? don't believe so. Okay. I don't believe so. I, he didn't even play Cream. What? You yeah, were thinking so, about so it, was... you'd want to bust that one out. <laughs> right, right. I, I, think, um, I think his sort of uh, go-to uh, big record was um, uh, Method Man, Mary J. Right. I mean, that is a big record. I don't know if that's a record you win a battle with. I know, totally. But it, it could have been, you know, um, it could have um, been uh, due to what Primo played before. I don't know. You know? Right. Yeah. So that kind of makes it interesting. Like, oh, yo, well, what do you play off your travel kit? Like, you know, what, what does right. a match what Primo plays? Sound of you a know? garbage truck back, backing up. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the timeline exploded when he played Triumph. That was yeah. that seemed to be yeah. the big thing, which like I'm, yeah. I don't know how long they played the things for. I wasn't watching at that point, but that's a lot of the same violin riff for a long time. <laughs> that's a super long only, song. They just played like the first sixteen. Yeah, but um, you know it's funny. I think I think Triumph is. It, it seems like it's kind of taken over Cream as the as the Wu Tang joint. I think because of the video and because of how big they were at that time, right. it dropped right. like it was right. so anticipated. Right. that people like freaked i freaked out about it when it came yeah. out i was just thought the video was so great it's funny mm-hmm. to watch now actually oh it's, it's really low level green screen but so but at the time <laughs> was was a huge mongus record what i'd like to see and maybe if um maybe if i get reckless and brazen today on twitter it would be interesting to see these battles posed as lineups primo's best nine songs versus riz's best nine songs right and, how would you order those things? Like you're saying, like like a baseball lineup kind of kind thing. of like yeah. does cream is cream the fucking power hitter number four? Right. What do you right. Think? Gravel pit never comes on. Right. That's like a pinch hitter. They're like, playing left out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one, one thing that I found really really interesting was the love, especially among like kind of like the Twitterati like inside hip hop head dudes for Royce Boom. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys have gone yeah. back and listened to that song, but like, it's a, it's a really good song. It's much better than I remember it. And really? I don't think okay. I was really messing with Royce back then. I was like, oh, the guy who raps with Eminem sometimes? Right, right, right. Evil. Like, I didn't really know him. I just went back and I was like, damn, that's, that's a ferocious song. Like, okay. that was a really good choice by Preem to like put that back out into the ether. I'll have to totally. uh, check Re- that give out. Give it a listen know, knowing what you know now. I think it's, it's, it'll hit you. A lot of my DJ folks really like that record. I remember not being super moved by it at the time, but yeah. mm-hmm. um, I will definitely circle back and check that out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's funny. Sports is dead, but hip-hop keeps chugging along. Yeah, that's right. Through this whole shit. Thank God we didn't do a sports podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, we would have been so uh, bored by now. What else do we have to, up today? Yeah, I've uh, I've I've kind of been thankful that we still have hip hop. Um, the show keeps moving along. Shout out to MVP Nate LeBlanc who's been uh, single handedly holding it down while straight up while Dave's in Elmwood and, and I'm at a <laughs> monastery. Uh, but but we're we're back. We're kind of figuring out the technology pieces. We've got a, a dope show lined up for the listening public today. Uh, we've got an interview with some folks out of the Backwoods camp, which um, I love. Curly Castro described it as Backwoods is a writer's establishment. 
That's like, dope. Yeah, that's that's so apt. And this group definitely fits within that mold. Uh, we had Curly Castro, Primrock, who just released a project called Shrapnel. Uh, we have an interview with them. Those dudes are always dope. Um, unfortunately, you cannot see Curly Castro uh, smoking weed and playing with his cats, but it, <laughs> it, it was a moment. Trust us. Yeah, it was. So when you hear when you hear the lighter flicking. Um, it's actually either Dave on the yard or Curly <laughs> Castro uh, doing push-ups. I'm sorry. I'm making visual jokes, and I know this is just going to be audio. But anyway. I know. I know. Um, so we got that interview coming up. Um, we, we, need to, uh, we need to work on our Zoom background game. Uh, eventually, <laughs> I've got like a rug taped to my wall. Um, Nate, you're in my spot at your house. Right. That's true. It feels weird. Trust me. This is weird. Yeah. Leave a leave a bottle of Pellegrino there. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's actually funny. Um, this is this is very relatable for probably most of our uh, aging uh, listeners. My back hurts. Like I miss my uh, work setup. Like I, I had it all set up. With my, my ergonomic stuff yeah. and like my I had a standing desk and I had all this stuff and the other day I was working on like a stack of encyclopedias at the counter to try to get my game back and (laughs) I tweaked my back yesterday doing some stretching and now it's like I have to like lean up against the wall otherwise I'm in pain so being 40 is tight (laughs) (laughs) 40 in 2020 huh great Yeah. yeah man uh, when we get to our next Zoom, Nate's going to be on one of those bouncy balls. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, I just drop out of the screen. Just see Shirtless. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so so we, we thank y'all for everybody playing along with our, uh, our Twitter timeline shenanigans. As always, you can hit us up at DadBodRapPod uh, if you don't agree with any of the takes, and you probably won't. Um, but for today's episode, we want to get into this interview with uh, Backwoods affiliated group Shrapnel, Dad by Rap Pod. Dad bod rap pod coming to you live from Zoom land with another dope interview on today's program. We have a recently formed unit uh, that describes themselves as a Venn diagram of ill communication. Schooly D to Swift, Deaf Jooks to Deathless Shrimp. That's the copy, y'all, and that is the group. Shrapnel, uh, comprised of Curly Castro, who you guys might know from the program, and also Prim Rock. Welcome to the program, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Big fan of what you guys do. You guys are, uh, you guys are the upper echelon of hip-hop uh, podcast. So <laughs> the pleasure is mine. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. No Prim. doubt. But I, I let Prim speak because he's way more eloquent than I am. Y'all might see a little more tempered down. I try to behave when I'm with Prim. This guy got so, this guy's got so many reps as a podcast. Oh, he's got like eight podcasts, so he knows how the format works a lot better than oh, me. Absolutely. I can maybe write it down more eloquently, but uh, you know, 
So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be active and staying uh, sane and productive right now because it is not a, not a normal time. No, it's, it's, it's really not. But uh, why don't you tell the folks a little bit, Prem, about, um, about your work and, and maybe kind of leading into the formation of shrapnel and how that got going. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, if you're not familiar with my stuff, uh, um, I've been putting out music now for about a little over 10 years. Um, some heads know me from way back in the day as Premonition. That's kind of where the Prem Rock moniker comes from. So, so. I knew him back then. He knew me back then, back when I was a, a cocky uh, battle rapper. Um, uh, I've settled into my ways a little bit, um, a little more wisely, but... Uh, yeah, I've been um, you know, I've been down with backwards for a long time. I've been me and Willie Green. I was you know, I was on Willie Green's wedding, so that's how I met Billy Woods. Uh, the connection there, that's how that formed. Uh, you know, started releasing music up in New York around 2009, and then, you know, it kind of blossomed and grew from there. So backwards always been kind of a family affair. That's why this this project was the first time we put something out together. But I've known Woods for a long time known green for a long time um so it was you know a matter of time before that came out it felt really good to do something with them castro i met uh at a kind of like a battle it was called ron calisthenics it was a uh an event that uh challenged you with all these different kind of things that they're all improv essentially you'd spin a wheel and then you had to you know you had to, to pull a mirror out you got to battle yourself or you got to pick a girl out of the crowd and get her to you know come with you or it was it was an interesting thing, and uh, the dude that ran it, he was out in Brooklyn, but he was from Pittsburgh. They were short a guy. They needed a guy to stand in, so I I uh, went to Philly, and uh, ended up battling Castro. And it was you know it wasn't like aggressive. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we weren't and, like um, it wasn't like a head to head battle. It was and more Zilla like, was um, trying to get in my head because I knew Zilla uh, just from you know the internet and and doing some things, and I booked him in Brooklyn to do something uh, like earlier that year. And he was trying to get in my head. He's like, you're not going to be Castro. You're not going to be Castro. I'm like, fuck, who's this guy? I'm like, you know, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I'm thinking I can't lose. This is, this is my wheelhouse. This is what I want to do. Ended up. So we ended up, you know, hitting it off and, uh, and became friends. And then from then on, that's kind of how it all started. And then, you know, before, you know, wrecking crew was something that was already in formation and I kind of got added to the fray a bit later, but uh, it was all really natural, all, all really organic. Um, so, uh, I guess, uh, I, I would, I add a different element to the, to the sound, to the crew and, and, and hopefully if it's your introduction to me, then you like what I do. That's dope. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. so this, this new record shrapnel just came out, uh, yourself, Castro, uh, uh, it's kind of like a, a backwoods family thing. Can you talk a little bit about, um, just kind of how you guys collaborated was it a remote thing where you kind of bouncing ideas back and forth that's it's like a the rap world is different nowadays and that you can collaborate across the world really um so kind of how did it come together as a as a record between y'all cool I'll, i'll start with that um so i have he would come up to my apartment uh, we, we made the idea to make the record after I had a pack from Elucid and he had a pack from Elucid. We were both aware that each other had a pack of beats from Elucid. And it was, uh, you know, early on and in, 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 it was a couple of years ago now at this point. So Elucid wasn't all over producing. So he, I think we, we, we benefited from uh, having 
first crack at some of these sounds and then we put it together mm-hmm. and uh it was a re- you know it's a revelation and like a, a great idea that was sitting right in front of our faces and he would come up to harlem he would could crash we'd work until like super super late uh or early depending on what you looked at and we'd take turns writing and recording i had a studio then i had a studio that was uh super accessible and uh in in my house i don't currently but you know we would do it was i think a throwback you know sleeping on the couch you know he'd be crashing on the couch i'd be recording he'd wake up he'd go you know stuff like that and you know we each, we each have our own and in, inherent vices that we would indulge in and, and and get get our minds ready to to do it it was you know it's kind of a romanticized way to, to make a record but it is it is how we did it we did almost every down to the to the last detail of the record together that's super dope because that's not something that necessarily happens all the time anymore no judgment on remote uh, assemblage of Uh, that's pretty much all we got now um but uh castro i I really wish that people could have a visual right now because i I think i've seen you roll a blunt and then you have like a dog (laughs) and a cat um waiting for a horse to pull up but uh what was your what was your approach on this on this record? You you've had a a couple of joints out in the, the past couple of years. What mm-hmm. kind of was there a different energy you were bringing to Shrapnel? Like how did that how did you come into that work? Well, um, well, to be honest, the, the 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 writing on Shrapnel we all did you know in the same space, which is which we said is is really rare, and um, there's like a plate is it's not a playful competition. It's just like, what do I need to do and what does Prem need to do to make this song just bang it? Mm-hmm. Like, so if I, if he started a, if, if he started it, then I had to match his level. If I started it, he had to match my level. If the hook started it, we had to, you know, meet the hook where it was at. So it was just, cause I, I can't, I, to be honest, I can't sit there and say we were like competing with each other, but we were definitely like one up and like, oh, I like I'm like oh no, Prem's not watching me on this track. No, I gotta come. Yeah. I gotta come with this. I gotta come with that. But but to truth be told, y'all, there was a lot of concepts and writing that was going on like simultaneously. So there wasn't a lot of cannabis LL type thing. It was just like if I knew Prem was on like level eight, I was like all right, I need to be on level seven and a half at the least. Um, and just a lot of natural writing. We would just sit there and write till five and six in the morning. <laughs> And you know, uh, pass out intermittently, right? Um, record demos. He would fall asleep. I'd listen to his demo. I'd get some ideas, um, and vice versa. So we were just trying to keep the blade sharp. And then it was just um, me and Prem had an idea because it was a lucid beats because we had Willie Green working. We was like, yeah, we can pitch this to backwards. So right then, you already know that the quality has to be of a certain level. And it's not to say that our solo material isn't, but you do go in thinking like, all right. This is this is a this is a writer's establishment because that's what backwards is, and so when, when you have that in front of you, you have no choice but to uh, at least perform, or at least like kill yourself, you know, get right or die trying and shit. Like that's backwards. It's like get right or die trying. You know, I'd be a rich. It would be nice, but um, you know, yeah, you got to write them blades and shit. So um, Prem is an amazing writer, you know, hands down. So when I'm working with Prem, I always have to. Um, go into another echelon and so that was the whole project so that was the challenge for me just to meet Prim where he stands. So I listened to the EP and the album straight back to back I listened to the album first and then the EP so a little bit backwards but um, 
I was struck by how many different things you guys reference, like with throughout the course <laughs> of the, the how are like 20 or so songs or something. And I was curious if you kind of um, take the references as jumping off points, or if it's just the things that are swimming around inside your mind anyway, it's like, it's old NBA players. It's, Game of Thrones, it's comic books, it's X-Men, especially. It's just like, there's so many different things that you're, mm. you're drawing from. And I guess I'm wondering, like, do you, do you kind of track it and be like, oh, like, I don't want to mix metaphors, so I can't say, like, I'm, you know, shooting like Cyclops on this thing because I already said uh, a different <laughs> comic book over here. Or, like, just how oh, you no, approach, that's a, um, like, putting that's the puzzle a great together. That's a great question. Um, well, just as writers and, and, and the type of writing me and I'm trying to achieve, we go in not trying to repeat ourselves at all on anything we've done. Like we never really want to even use the same words if that's possible. So definitely the metaphors don't um, knowingly repeat. I do have like a fresh fetish. You'll, if you look through my rhymes, you'll find about five, six fresh references. And so, you know, uh, Chuck E.I., you know, I can't get over it. But um, it's pretty much like, um, it's like a wrecking crew pen. It's just how we all, you know, the, the MCs of wrecking crew, we just, we're, the thing about wrecking crew, I always want to, elaborate to people is we're friends first and we just happen to make music and then we just happen to make it together so like we're all four of us are friends who talk about the nba heavily all um two of us are comic book heads that collect or read heavily yeah. um one of us is a producer file who talks to producers like like michael did on heroes and shit that's small so another okay. cat is is prem who's a literary genius and who has his pulse to the street spot people he just knows you'd be surprised when he just knows oh yeah you know, I was, you know Barry Bonds you know he came back got a drink <laughs> we talked about we talked about the clear I don't know Barry Bonds but... no but but my point is so those references that pool that ether that we we pull from that's just like Wrecking Crew standard like we want the title we gonna we gonna say the best NBA references hands down and like you know Woodson and Elucid try to come for us and like you know Big Breakfast a lot of cats try to come for us but that's not nah, man <laughs> And you know, dog, like, this, this is us and shit, you know what I'm saying? This fight, fight right down to us, man, you know what I'm saying? We're, I'm going to say the most obscure, especially basketball, man. If every Cedric Sabalos reference, you might get a Dwayne Shinsis, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you might get an Ekpe Udo. Like, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I'm on, a, I'm on an island with the, with, the, with the football. I mean, you know, only me and Woods talk about football anymore. Yeah, <laughs> they go half the football. But... We're done. You know, yeah, we're done. Me and Zilla really, talk the comic know. shit, so you know. Exactly. I talk the sci-fi shit, so it's just comics are a bit of my blind spot. I don't, I don't know what he's talking about sometimes. So I mean, that's all. <laughs> if that'll help me, then I go back to you know check out what he's talking about. So it works out. <laughs> you know, we but definitely have, have to. Um, I never, we, I never we research each other's shit post post coitus, yeah. if you will. We definitely yeah. like, oh man, what was that? Like, what did you say post coitus? Yeah, after we fuck with each other. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, man. That's good podcasting, bro. I had to. I just had to call that out. Yeah, I know. I, was, I thought you were gonna let it slide. I thought you were gonna let it slide. That's I dope. just thought you didn't know what it meant. So after, after, after the, the blindfold and the cigarette for the firing line, we usually uh, go over each other's shit, and maybe a year later we'd be like, "Oh, you know what I'm saying?" But um, like me and Prem have a natural um yin and yang to how we. You know, I have a different voice. He has a different voice. He has a little different literary references, as do I. But we fit well together. It's like, again, it's like the idea that was right in front of us. Because anytime, with, early, early in Shrapnel, 
we brought it up to a couple of our like writer friends. That was the first people that kind of knew cast that we knew that um like you know wrote hip hop literature and all that other stuff. And we just said, oh yo, um, I'm working with Prem. And as soon as I would say it, everybody be like, oh that's a great idea. And Prem would have the same exact experience. Like, oh yeah, I'm doing some cast. Was like, oh that's that's a perfect idea. So a lot of that stuff just was naturally born out of that. It's just the lingo that we just you know feel comfortable. Yeah, with. it was punctuated about when we men- when we would mention elusive, they would be like, oh wow. With the beat, right? So like mm. that. That I think is uh, that would pique people's interest, and they were in the beginning. They were like, "Oh yeah, like you and Castro, yeah, it makes sense. You guys have done songs." But when we we threw that wrinkle in, I think that's what kind of made this record special. So, so I was checking out Fashion Week, um, you know, the the video that you guys made, and um, it it struck me because it's it's you know it's jarring, and you guys have a lot of references and stuff. But is it? I just wanted to know what your sort of approaches to making music videos for your music and sort of aligning um, all the dynamics and all, and all the visuals together. Like, what was that process like? Well, you know, uh, Castro gets the credit for sure for Lupin and Blueprint. Uh, I've been a fan of Blueprint for a long time. I had never met him and it's funny, we had all these mutuals. We had the same booking agent for years. We just had never crossed paths in, in person. And he was like, yo, Print makes videos. They're crazy. He's willing to work with our budget. He's willing to come to New York. And I was like, oh, wow. I didn't even, you know, that wasn't even on my radar. And he came back with treatments. And he had listened to the whole record. And, and he came out with a fashion week treatment. He came with three treatments. No yeah, 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 for sure. with three treatments. We, if we, we had the money, we would have three videos. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, fashion week struck, uh, stuck out to <clears> me. <throat> Funny enough, I got a, a friend of mine. and. Well, Castro mentions that I know random people. I bartend uh, in Harlem, so I end up being around almost every type of person that you can imagine. Um, you know, like I could be on a first name basis with Sway or like a principal or a, a, a drug dealer or whatever. And so I come across a lot of people. So I'm like, hey, I need mannequins. Oh, boy, like, oh, why don't you ask me? He runs a high end like fashion spot and got me mannequins, got me tape and, and, and all the night before the shoot right before the shoot a clothing rack and all that so i had to go down and pick it up the the morning of the shoot and uh and we ended up coming with all the props that that print needed he's like we need this 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 and this and uh i think trusting him was a big part of making this video successful trusting someone like print if you don't uh you know have faith in the person that you're booking to do the video i think that that's going to be a problem Cause then you're gonna have all these tweaks at the end and you're gonna be like, whoa, do we have this? Can we get this? Uh, he had a literal checklist. I got all the stuff that I could. Castro uh, came through with some more stuff that we needed and, and it was cool. It was, uh, I think, a tribute to his professionalism and us being able to like be hands off. Cause a lot of people are too hands on too, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just um like, any director that could meet you halfway is always a blessing. Mm-hmm. We got another video coming for um for Aaron McKee. Okay. And we shot we shot that um we shot that one in Philly. Of course. Um, we shot Fashion Week in New York. We shot Aaron special McKee in sh- Philly. Special shout out to to Print, who was the first person on the set and he came from Ohio. Yeah. I came from <laughs> across I came from across town, like literally just across the city. Castle came from Philly and this cat blueprint was 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 early so punctual higher that man <laughs> yeah, yeah. and so our, our next video was shot by our man bob sweeney and that one has a little more lo-fi feel to it yeah 
It's just yep. like us sitting on the Nas bench. Edge to it, but it's, it's, like, it's, us, it's us sitting on the Nas bench in front of a basketball court. If there was yeah. a Nas bench in um in Philadelphia. So I mean, um, sometimes we don't want to hit you over the head with with anything. Um, it's enough to keep up the bars and shit and the blades. So you'll have that, and sometimes the um the visual will be a, a little more demure, a little more subtle. And then other times, if you you know, we'll, we'll drop little things in there if we can. And I mean, to be honest, you know, being an MD musician. A lot of videos depend on budget, and so you try to um, do the most with less, and um, and try to make it as dope as possible. Sometimes you have more um, access to materials and shit um, than normal, so you can get a claymation video out, like on um, Blockhead's video a little while back. And then sometimes, you know, what I'm saying you just like uh, uh, Griff Company. That's me and Zilla. We dropped a video. We, if, if we dropped a video recently, and the fucking camera just turned around 360. So we just, you know, we just make make them and make what we can work um look out my next video i will be doing the spike lee dolly shot throughout the whole video <laughs> i've been working on that for a year and a half okay i don't care how i don't even know what do I'm saying, man. do it while there's quarantine man if you can because you get yeah, i gotta build i gotta build something i gotta put it together but next video next okay castro solo that's that's a problem like spike lee dolly shot check it out you heard it you heard it here you so so with uh with us living in bizarro world right now and um kind of everything that's going on how did that the covid shit impact the rollout for this did you release it at the same time you were did you kind of have to rethink how to roll it out or does it does it not even matter we i mean you know you're always going to run into something and and none of us could have predicted this obviously uh, or Jay Electronica decided to drop his album on the same day. <laughs> it was like, it was like kind of like a comedy at that point. But like, um, I think there's, there was, I think it benefited us in some ways in, in terms of people being home and being locked in that weekend or that, you know, that was kind of the weekend it all came to a head, especially here in New York City. And people were checking it. Um, you, you know, you hate, you have to walk that delicate, you know, balance because people's lives are turned upside down. People's families are in danger. Yeah. People are sick. Yeah. And you don't want to be like, check my album out. But at the same time, check we my worked album. really hard. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, yeah, we, we worked really hard on this. We put a lot of money and a lot of time, a lot of effort. And, and we aren't going to be like, let our album get buried in, in the bad news. So, you know, if you have time, if now you might have extra time to check out the record. So I think it worked for us in some ways, other ways, you know, the retail aspect, you know, I, my dream was to have vinyl in Amoeba and, and Fifth Element and all over. And it's we, in Amoeba. Just nobody could go inside. Nobody could go to Amoeba. You know what I mean? So, so, <laughs> so you had that. You, you, you miss the element of someone walking into the record store and picking it up or talking to my man uh, Evan or uh, Ray at Amoeba and being like, check out this record. Or, uh, and then Fifth you know, Element closed during all of this. You want the so guy behind the desk. As a person who used to work at a record store, you want the guy behind the desk of the record store to fuck with your music because that is the most influential dude or, or, or woman in, in that world. And I hope that's all coming back. I really do. And it's not like life. Will, I hope. I hope that everyone can, can you know, and I'm not, not for my own selfish reasons, just for, for everyone who, who, who enjoys that experience. So in that regard, we didn't get that. We didn't get that uh, chance. But uh otherwise i think it actually may have benefited so it benefited us in the in the way people were able to hone in and um focus i think um 
I think if not for um, people being like gravity hitting them and they have to stay in place. Some people, I think, listen to the whole album, you know, straight through. If you were doing it on a commute, um, you might have checked the track here, checked the track there. If you were doing a few Apple Music and all that stuff, I think people would have been jumping around more so than hearing the full um, length and breadth of the work. And it's, it's a sonic masterpiece. I, I don't tap, tap myself on the back. That's all to Elucid and Willie Green. Um, mm. and, um, it just sounds so great that I wanted people to, to, to um, eat, eat it as a full meal or whatever. Okay. Um, you know, you, you mentioned um, Elucid. Um, can you guys touch a little bit about like your history with him and just the process of working on this? Because obviously, I mean, he has a name and he definitely has a sound. And, uh, you know, just uh, let the people know a little bit about him and your guys' history. Elusive, yeah. the noise terrorist. Yeah. He's just, um, um, he's a good friend of ours, an amazing talent. Um, we, we always say about Elusive, um, he's, he's been in the game for a minute. We've known him since early 2000s or whatever like that, or mid-2000s and stuff, and worked with him since then. And he's always dabbled with the production. Like Elusive be the first one to tell you, don't call him a producer. He was saying that, shoot, when he gave us the beat, he was telling him, don't call him, <laughs> don't call him a producer. And, um, but my thing with Elusive is always like, I don't want to know how he makes his beat. It's, it's, it seems so unorthodox. It comes from such a special, um, unearthly place, probably where the soul gem is at. And he goes to the soul gem land, he makes beats and he brings them back and shit and gives most of them the woods and all man. And it's like, I don't want to know. What's it going on? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to yeah. know because it's just such a special thing. So anyway, um, yeah. The Prem, first time I ever heard him, uh, I had known his name for a long time, but I had never heard any of his records. I saw him at a show in like, man, like 2010 or something like that. And he, he was doing some crazy shit with this other cat. Like, I, man, it'll escape me. I'll find out after. I'm sure I'll find it'll come to me. But it was like this real experimental Wild shit. Concrete sound I have system? no idea. Yeah, yeah concrete sound system. Yeah, concrete sound system, sir. And I saw that and I was like, I don't even, I, my brain at that time, I didn't really know what to do with it. And then. Picture he, Milo's uh, setup. Milo's current setup. Elusa was doing that back in 2010. But it was, it was wild, noisy, wild, experimental. It was wild. Yeah. It was, you know, and there was a, a devout crowd of people that were really into the shit. And it took, it took a little bit for me to get into that. And then. He did a cult favorite with uh, Ann Breakups, which was, uh, at that time, we were hanging out in at shows a lot. Uh, it was a really interesting era in New York, and that's when Woods dropped uh, History Will Absolve Me. Or he dropped History Will Absolve wow. Me, then came Cult Favorite. And I was just like, we were, we were doing a lot of shows. We were seeing each other a lot. It was a really cool breeding ground. Me and Willie Green did a record then around that time. And, and I saw, I just saw him all the time. You know, we all went through different phases. He's like, you know, he's a he's a family dude now. Uh, I have, I don't see him often, nearly. But there was there was a there was a time when we would see each other a lot around doing shows. You know, we built a rapport, mutual respect, liked hanging out. It's different when you like drinking with somebody, you like kicking with somebody. Um, you know, sometimes you can like, you know, there's certain artists that like I've been friends with for for a long time or we seek each other out we text each other and we don't have a song together you know because it's not really about that and i think that's how it started from my my personal experience with lucid and i was just a fan of his work and i like kicking it with him i like kicking it with woods him and green it was funny it was good times uh, and breakups and breakups with character as well 
and uh, you know, time moved on, and 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 just looking at his his catalog since that time, and it's like, man, unassailable. He 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 changes, uh, he progresses. He doesn't do anything the same way twice. Nope. And to to hear him get excited about this project was the extra push I and I think Castro needed. You know, it wasn't. He didn't just send him over. You know what I mean? And he could have, and he could have gone on to the next thing. And nobody would have faulted him for that at all. He already did enough. But to, to, to him to do more deeper dives into the beach, there's one person that when Willie Green gets it, Elusa doesn't, doesn't, you know, he's like, that's cool. It's in good hands now. You know what I mean? He, they, they've, Green's mixed so much of, of Elusive stuff that he, he allows him to, to hand off. So um, I hope that answers the question. But, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what I got. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. Um, I've got kind of a wrap-up question here, and we'd love to hear from yeah. you both on it. Maybe Castro first and then Prem. Um, so you obviously have a lot of chemistry. You've had kind of a, a interesting time putting this out because the world changed on you, but I feel like in our world, people are responding to it. It's a very good record, and um, I guess what I want to ask you guys is, is this an ongoing concern? Are you a group? Uh, is shrapnel going to be a thing, and we're going to see more from you coming out at some point? Oh hell yeah! I mean, um, <laughs> no, yeah, no. We go, we we gonna keep cooking. Um, we we are a wrecking crew. That's our bigger crew. That's um, Zilla Rocker, Small Pro, Prem, and myself. So you know, we always working on shit. But we 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 do like to cultivate our solo careers. That's real important to us. And so when we just come up with a good idea, um, we just go for it. So like you know, if we're able to get another pack of elusive beats. And I have another producer in mind for our next foray into this thing. Um, who knows? The, condi- the conditions might be different because I'm not, probably not allowed in New York for a little while. Um, but, you know, we'll definitely keep, keep rocking it. Look, this is our most successful record um, to date. So, shit, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So um, we work yeah. well together. We'll always keep, you know, rocking it. Um, we got more. We got a little more shrapnel coming, right, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got something else. And uh, to piggyback off that, definitely, um, I think that was always the intention. I didn't think we were just going to do a one-off. Uh, we haven't taken it, you know, we haven't performed. Uh, we did a few shows here and there, and they were good. And, but we haven't been able to get the set together with the record that we wanted. Um, I had a crazy release show <clears throat> planned for Brooklyn. Had a, had, you know, we were in the works of Philly. We had New England, uh, you know, starting to shape up. We were talking about Chicago. We wanted to come to the West Coast. That will still happen when it can, you know. You guys are in San Jose. Yep. Is that where you are? You're all you're all, all in San Jose. I just thought. Yep. Uh, I think I did, I did back bar. Hey. Couple Sorry times. about that. <laughs> we'll be there. We'll, we'll be there. Apologies. Hey, look, 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 look. Yeah. It was what do we call it? it was it was a it, we, it was a date on the board. You know we we you know Hell we had to yeah. get from, from from here to there. You know, uh, <laughs> and. And that's what it was. And uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not going to stop. I, I mean, we'd be we'd be doing. I appreciate you saying all the kind words about the record, by the way. But we'd be doing it a disservice if we didn't, you know, we didn't take it to some some cities. Uh, I think it's. I think me and him are are also an experience live. Uh, you know, we're very comfortable improving. We got a lot of good banter, and a lot of these songs, like they deserve to be heard live. I think in, in yeah. experience and. You know, we're hearing a lot of crazy reports about shows not happening in 2021 and all this stuff, and I don't know what that means. I I, I don't know that. I I think we might be in a good. Uh, there's no such thing as a good position to be in, but 
the fact that we aren't doing Madison Square Garden and we aren't doing, you know, uh, we're, do, we're, we're more comfortable in the 50 to 75 cap rooms. Maybe, maybe that opens up sooner. I don't know. Uh, not not yeah. open. We'll see. But, uh, you know, I hope the next time we see each other is, is uh, on your side of things, man. I love to. I'm traveling and touring is part of uh, my passion, and we got to get this, this fool out on the road, too. And, uh, and you know, people. Killing me, yo. They have a tendency to believe uh, the movement more when they see it. Yeah, right. man. Okay. Get to France. France is next. And then we got, um, yeah. yeah, Prem, tell them about the more shrapnel we got coming soon. Oh, I don't want to spoil, but we got some really good remixes. Really good okay. remixes. Uh, okay. The number one dude on our wish list, he, uh, he answered the bell. And uh, I nice. think you guys, I, we know, I know that you guys suck with this guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. For sure. You, you definitely do. And okay. uh, a couple other, yeah, we got, uh, really, yeah, we got a nice little companion piece coming it's, out. So I don't know what we're going to do, good. but we'll do some. Yeah. A little epilogue. Yep. Okay. Um, nice little bow. Dope. Dope. Well, we really thank y'all for coming on. Um, Want to remind everyone, Shrapnel is out right now. You can check it out on Bandcamp. Uh, as we just mentioned, touring is not going to be a thing for a while. So while your streaming is appreciated, your Bandcamp dollars are appreciated even more. Um, there's so only 50, uh, 50 <laughs> copies of the vinyl left. Yeah, there's only seven on, Band, only seven on Bandcamp left, and then, then the rest are at uh, the backward site. So, that's great to hear. Not even we'll playing. Quick, I've never been able to. We're going to tax you for, for the remaining copies. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Thank you guys. Dynamic pricing. Do it. Do what you got to do. We thank y'all for coming on, man. Uh, appreciate it so much, and we'll be on the lookout for the remix record. Y'all be well. Thanks, guys. No doubt. Shrapnel out. Peace. 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 hope you guys enjoyed that interview with shrapnel i know the audio was a little bit rough um it's kind of tough conducting these things via zoom call i appreciate you rolling with us uh modulating the volume up and down um it's hard to mix because the file comes all as one thing usually we have everybody on separate tracks but you guys don't care about stuff like that i apologize for the audio quality i do think it's kind of funny that uh one of the people on the call was outside when they were taking it so there's like weird little bird song in the background on a couple of the moments which i actually don't find to be the worst thing in the world um so wanted to take a quick moment to thank bus crates um you might know him from his work with the mc libretto um the instrumentals that we're using to score today's episode are from the instrumental version of their eternal riding album out on liquid beat records um big shout out to bus crates um really thought these Beats would be perfect for today's episode, and we thank him for letting us use them. 
Next up, we've got a special segment that Damone recorded. Um, it's a tribute to Q-Tip on his 50th birthday a little while back and the 30th anniversary of People's Instinctive Travels on the Paths of Rhythm, the Tribe Called Quest album, their debut album. So those two things kind of coincided, Tip's birthday and the 30th anniversary of the album. So Damone felt compelled to record this kind of remembrance audio essay thing. I think it turned out pretty cool. So check it out. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Dad Bod Rap Pod. Check one, two. Dad Bod Rap Pod. My name is Damone Carter, a.k.a. Dem One. One-third of the Dad Bod Triumvirate. Um, gonna take a stab at doing a little solo segment. Not something I was planning to do today, but I woke up and did my usual scrolling through the stress tangle of Twitter, um, which I'm not sure why I do that because it just makes me feel shitty. But during that morning ritual, it was brought to my attention by a couple of folks that um, there were two important anniversaries going down today. There's a lot of unimportant anniversaries that get celebrated um on the internet and especially on twitter but these two particular uh dates um really stand out and have made me want to record a little solo segment so we'll we'll see how this goes we'll see if uh producer sugar leblanc deems this worthy for the airwaves but uh, as it turns out today April 10th, on this day in 1990, a seminal album came out for both me and the entire hip-hop genre, and that is People's Instinctive Travels by A Tribe Called Quest. It's a really important album to me because this was the first non-public enemy album i had ever bought um just to completely date myself i started high school in 1990 when this record came out and um to that time my entire collection had been comprised of either things i had recorded off the radio onto tape tapes that i had dubbed from other people uh again as a teenager i was broke i really couldn't afford to buy many things but um I'm not sure if I bought it on release day, but sometime in April of 1990, um, I took my little $9 and went down to the mall where they used to have these things called music stores, where you would have tapes and CDs, even a little bit of vinyl at that time, although that was kind of phasing out. And um, yeah, I decided I was gonna buy something that wasn't Public Enemy. I'm a huge Public Enemy fan, I was a member of the fan club, had all the their albums to that point, had bought all the memorabilia, and I think I was just trying to kind of branch out a little bit um, and cop something new. So went down to the Sam Goody, saw the spine of this uh, of this tape, People's Instinctive Travels, and a first thing that jumped out at me was just the name of the group. A tribe called Quest. 
which at a time when, um, you know, rap was very, very uh, macho, very, there was a particular imagery evoked with most uh, rap group names and album names. And I just really remember thinking like, this is the most unique uh, group name and album title I've ever seen. Now, of course, that sample size was really small because I was freaking 14, but it really struck me immediately. Um, and the album cover as well kind of drew me in, in that, again, I had not seen a, a rap or a 12-inch cover that uh, had this real kind of bohemian sensibility to it, even though I didn't really have words for it at that time. Somehow I knew that this album was for me like it even before listening to it i distinctly remember feeling like this is that new and different thing and it's something that's going to speak to me um so bought the tape the ritual in those days was uh you know taking the bus to the mall buy the tape you know rip off the packaging insert the tape into the Walkman and your, you know, ride home was the, was the listening party per se. So I remember putting it in my Walkman, walking back to the East Ridge bus loop. Shout out if you're from San Jose, you know what a, a, a magical place the East Ridge bus loop was, or I guess maybe still is. And I'm walking back and the album starts and it starts with the crying baby which i'm not sure at the time if i interpreted that as the birth of a new sound which is what uh i, I guess the intent of that intro was but i again i knew it was something different i knew that it was something for me um and it didn't disappoint from that sense. This is probably something that we would, we could look back and say it's a, it, the album was a piece of uh, Afro-futurism, um, just really ahead of its time, um, strange, quirky, but also um, incredibly groovy. You know, I will say, like most people will tell you, not the best album in the Tribe uh, canon, but I do believe this is the album that is the most Q-tip. His voice, concepts, and really his taste in records really come through um, on people's instinctive travels. It's really um, a showcase for him and this budding genius um, that he was, or that he is, excuse me. So, um, the record had a really profound impact on me and it also helped me understand there were these new emerging threads of hip hop that were going all over the place. And so I remember playing people's instinctive travels for my cousin, uh, my cousin Shannon, shout out to Shannon dog. He, um, he's the one that kind of got me into public enemy and I, I got a lot of my, uh, you know, secondhand records and, and dubs from him. And I remember kind of excitingly trying to show him 
this album and he was like ah, this is kind of goofy like what is this i remember playing pubic enemy for him and he was just like no this is not <laughs> this is not where it's at this is not dope um and that was really the first time that i remember something like that happening that there wasn't a true consensus um around what was considered dope and there was probably some age and uh, musical taste differences there that were emerging and I think that was even new for rap, right? Like uh, the whole West Coast, East Coast thing hadn't really uh, got going yet. But there was the sense that what Tribe was doing, uh, also De La Soul, what they were doing um, was new and different. Some people mocked it. I obviously gravitated towards to it, toward it um, because it definitely spoke to me. And so is wild to me that this album is 30 fucking years old when you have tangible visceral memories that happened 30 years ago it does mean you're old as fuck um but what can i say uh also 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 friday april 10th 1970 um or maybe it wasn't a friday but april 10th 1970 is also a huge date in that, that is Q-Tip's birthday. Q-Tip turns 50 today, which is wild to say because hip hop as a genre is still struggling with this idea of how to age gracefully and how to stay cool uh, past a certain point. And Q-Tip has to be, you know, one of the ultimate torchbearers in that category, or maybe an exception that proves the rule or, breaks the rule or something. But Q-Tip turns 50 today. I would be hard pressed to find someone in hip hop who is cooler, um, air quotes you can't see, hashtag Nate LeBlanc. You would be hard pressed to find someone who is literally cooler than Q-Tip. And I say this because his sense of what is dope has been adopted not only in broad swaths of hip hop, but it's bled into other music. You know, I, I listen to house and R and B things and wonder um, what would these things sound like were it not for Q-Tip showing you um, the genius of Mini Ripperton and Rotary Connection and his. Uh, mixing engineering prowess with blending incredible bass lines with um, really dope drum patterns, kicks, you know, the whole low end theory obviously was a, was a pronounced experiment in that that was very successful and has really uh, reshaped our understanding of what makes dope rap music. And if that was his only contribution to the culture, he would be cool as fuck but we obviously know it goes a lot deeper than that. So when we think about lyrically, um, what Q-Tip has done, what he represents, it's interesting that he's never on these kind of who's your top five list. He's never involved in these kind of comparative uh, rap listy things that we like to do. And it's interesting because um, I think obviously one of the best voices to ever do it, just 
he could probably wrap the phone book and make it sound interesting. Um, I think Q-tip is often left out of these conversations because we are just coming into a space where we have the uh, vocabulary and level of understanding to describe what is dope about a Q-tip. Uh, I remember at the time, you know, circa 90, early 90s, there was an idea that Tribe was dope. There was a school of thought that Tribe was dope, but that Q-Tip and Fife were a little bit subpar as MCs, that they were kind of getting by because the beats were really dope, which was always weird to me. But then at the same time, not being able to quite explain why timing, cadence, word choice, um, concepts, song structure, all those things Q-Tip excelled at very, very early on before, um, you know, the genre had really worked out how to do that properly. He was on the, the vanguard of that. And I feel like that's part of the reason why he's still able to record and put out albums is because the ideas and his approach to the rhyme has aged incredibly well. And hopefully at some point we'll start kind of putting him in the, the category of the whatever, the goats of the genre. Um, but if those two things, if only his production with the Tribe Called Quest and his lyrical prowess were the only two things that he contributed to this culture, he would still be uh, the coolest motherfucker alive. But you add to that, he produced incredible records for other artists, uh, basically discovered Mob Deep, um, helped produce for and kind of nurture Nas, um, recently was an executive producer on a Danny Brown record that I really liked, um, just to kind of give you the scope. And then really helped, I think, the hip-hop world um, understand the genius of Jay Dilla. I know Dilla had, um, you know, a number of different folks who kind of helped bring his music into the foreground, but I think um, Q-Tip in particular probably was a very, very early adapter in understanding um, the level of genius that uh, Jay Dilla possessed and helping him to get a platform um, in, in music so that we would be able to, to, you know, digest and understand what a genius Jay Dilla was. So it's this whole mixture of things. You kind of add to that. Uh, Tip is an incredible live performer. I've seen him DJ before. He's a dope-ass DJ. Um, I've told this story on, on some other uh, Dad by Rap pods, but I saw him DJ once at a club in Brooklyn and hop off the decks and start a electric slide, like a 200-person electric slide in the middle of the party. And just, he has an energy um, that you hear on the records and you actually see it if you see him. Um, it's just really incredible that all the, the talent and vitality could be like wrapped up in one person. So we've said a lot about Tribe on this program. I would encourage y'all to check out some of our other episodes. Uh, our Tribe Spectacular, which I believe was episode 100, um, is a really, really good episode to check out if you wanna kind of go further down the Tribe rabbit hole. Um, we also had two different conversations with Prince Paul where he illuminates on some of the, uh, you know, 
the history of native tongues as well as what it was like to work with the young Q-tip. Um, those are also great episodes. And yeah, obviously as a rap fan of a certain age, um, there's going to be those certain groups that are, you know, legendary Titans. Um, Tribe Hall Quest is one of those groups. Q-tip is one of those guys and people's instinctive travels and paths of rhythm um, is one of those albums. And so, uh, yeah, that's what I got. Dad Bod Rap Pod. Please follow us on the socials at Dad Bod Rap Pod on Twitter, at Dad Bod Rap Pod on Instagram. You can listen to us on all the fly platforms where podcasts be at, um, including our UK syndication partner, kiki.co.uk. You can check us out there. Um, we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Shout out to Pantheon and the other 50 plus music shows, the MTV of podcasting. Uh, that's what we're rolling with. And yeah, stay tuned. More dead bod rap pod. All right, Dad Bod Rap Pod, we are back live from Zoom land, Zoomtopia. Um, you just heard me talking for a long time, and uh, that's what we call in the biz podcasting. So uh, that was my first go at kind of doing a little weird solo segment, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um, if you felt, you know, seen or something resonated with you or you thought I was talking absolute nonsense, you can definitely hit us up at, at Dad Bod Rap Pod on Twitter, at Dad Bod Rap Pod on IG um, for all of our folks across the pond and actually anywhere. You can stream our program on kiki.co.uk. Kiki We're also on all of the regular podcast uh, platforms. And because we love y'all and we believe in self-love, uh, Dad Bod Rap Pod is partnered with adamandeve.com. If you go on to adamandeve.com, probably not at work, you probably don't want to do it at work, but if you go on adamandeve.com and check out uh, some of the fly products they have there, enter the code DADBOD and you can get 50% off on almost everything except that stuff Dave be buying. That's a little, that's a little higher end. Um, but if you use the code DADBOD, you get up to 50% off. And I guess 10 free gifts, six of which are movies. Um, I can't speak to uh, what the content of said movies will be, but Adam and Eve is not biblical, as it turns out. They've got, they've got a different set of products. So check it out, adamandeve.com. 
uh, use the code DADBOD. And yeah, keep enjoying yourself, uh, health, love, positivity, and the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Looking to expand or move your company? Ohio has the talent you need to scale for growth. Ohio's central location, reliable infrastructure, and top-ranked business climate are here to help you succeed. Get to business. Visit successinohio.com today. As a new Western Union customer, you can enjoy a $0 transfer fee on your first international online money transfer. Send money to your loved ones back home the fast, easy, and reliable way. Visit westernunion.com or download their app today to get started. And your first transfer fee is free. Services offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983 or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985, FX Gain Supply. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.